Thank you very much. And it's absolutely wonderful to be with you. I mean, it would be much better if we were there in person, but um, uh, it's still great to be with you today this way. So Nesta's going to read the, the text for us this morning. So I'm going to let Nesta do that now. Okay. All right. The, um, the reading is uh, based on John 21. And the title is Jesus and the Miraculous Catch of Fish. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Right. So thank you, Nesta, for reading that to us. Um, so these are um, extraordinary days, as like so many people have said, and uh, I really don't know there's much more that can be said um, from, from, this, uh, from this whole kind of era, but I do like your overall theme, which is about emerging from it. I probably think in, uh, in the next five years or so, we're going to look back and everything is going to be pre-COVID or post-COVID. It's going to be uh, that sort of defining period for us. Um, and as we come out, it's actually um, really a kind of a, we're going into this um, uncharted territory again, and the future is unknown and it's uncertain. And so I've called today's talk, Finding God in Uncertain Times. Um, it does actually kind of remind me a little bit of our earliest of dates. Uh, one of the things that you get with age is you can actually get a, a, a sort of sense of feeling about something right now and say, oh, this feels a little bit like it felt back then, which isn't just 
like nostalgia. It's it's really just trying to say, actually, we've we've experienced something like this before. And I, I do feel like we're coming into something where the future is uncertain, it's unknown, it's uncharted. And it reminds me of our earliest days when the Holy Spirit was first poured out and the churches like ourselves were born and, and all, all, all kinds of exciting things were happening. And in those days, we talked a lot about being spirit-filled, spirit-led and spirit-inspired, you know, being filled with the spirit. The Holy Spirit was guiding us because we didn't really know where the future, uh, well, that little saying, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And so, um, and then Spirit Inspired, which is actually about like in those days, uh, whole new initiatives and new music and all kinds of ways of church were being uh, created. So um, during lockdown, at some point, I had a dream. Um, most of my dreams are absolute just nonsense, really. Um, one particular dream I woke up and I just felt, whoa, it, it wasn't so much it was a profound dream, but it was the feelings it invoked in me that uh, made me think, gosh, it feels like uh, something that God was speaking to me out of. In my dream, I was driving uh, along a very, very familiar route. Uh, those of you who drive will probably know what I mean. You, you sort of so it's so familiar that you're not really noticing anything. You don't need to look at signs. You just instinctively know it all. This is the way we always go. This is the way we always go. And I know everything. I know every bend in the road. But as I came around the corner in this dream, suddenly there was this big sign that just said diversion. And I was turned off the familiar road. And here's the thing that what I noticed in my dream was immediately all of my senses were sort of sharpened. Suddenly I was, I was looking and listening and uh, looking out for things because I was suddenly on unfamiliar territory and I was in an unfamiliar place. And it was like those feelings that are remembered most out of the dream. And I do feel like that's something about where we are today. We've kind of gone like, this is the way we do them. We've always done it this way. And then if you like, suddenly we're off onto absolute like uncharted territory again. So I've chosen this passage that uh, we've just uh, have read um, because I, I think this is a wonderful little passage, wonderful detail in it, uh, many things that we could draw from it. Um, but it's, it's actually uh, the disciples are in these uncertain times. They know that Jesus has resurrected. They've met him and seen him, but they haven't really yet got any sense of where this is all going or what it's all about. They haven't had Pentecost or any of these things yet. And so I call this finding God in uncertain times. I just wanted to draw just two or three things out from that story. Um, the first thing I notice out of this story is that Jesus comes to us in our everyday lives. Uh, see, um, Peter and the disciples were in this uncertain time. They didn't know what to do. They're kind of in limbo. And so they said, let's go fishing. Um, there's some people who think that that's actually not, uh, you know, Peter was actually kind of regressing or backsliding or something. Actually, I don't think he was doing anything wrong at all. I think he just was doing in a limbo time, in a time where you're in, you don't quite know what to do you do the things that you know how to do. And so he decided they'd go fishing. They just 
weren't very successful at it that particular day. But it's like in this moment of everyday life or every night as it is for them, uh, Jesus appears. And uh, I love this. It's something very, very, I guess we've always known this and we always know it, but somehow some of this has been perhaps heightened to us in the last 12 months or so. So, for instance, if you just said to me uh, a little while ago, a year ago, you know, so where have you recently experienced Jesus? Where have you experienced the presence of God? Where have you experienced? I'll go, well, it was that time we're in worship together or it was in that prayer and praise evening or it was in that, that glorious moment in the church on a Sunday or whatever. Well, suddenly all of that has been taken away. And so over the last 12 months, many of us have had to find that we've had encounters and finding our encounters, like meeting Jesus in our everyday life, in our home, in our garden, <laughs> on a walk, uh, in silence, in all kinds of different ways, in our everyday life. I mean, I think this is just the way they describe it in this, this passage, you know, they're having, they're fishing, they're doing everyday life. Uh, Jesus is actually... This is not a holy moment. It's not in the temple. It's not in the upper room. You know, it's like breakfast on the beach. And I love the way it's all described. You can almost sort of smell the. No, it wouldn't be bacon, would it? No, it's not bacon. It's bacon. It's fish. I think it says. You know, it's. Uh, you can even smell it there. Just Jesus is. It's just coming into everyday life. Wonderful. So Jesus comes into our everyday life. Second thing. One word from Jesus changes everything. One word from Jesus changes everything. And um, I suppose what I want to say here is that, especially for those of us and for the church, so many people are saying, as we emerge, as we come out of this time and into a new season, it's an opportunity to back to the drawing board, completely sort of back to, you know, to scratch, you know. And I do think there's lots of, of, of opportunities at this time that God's giving us. However, here's just a thought, a little thought, if you like. Um, and that is that in some ways it could be that what we do come back into may well look very similar to what was before. So let's not be afraid of that either. You see, what happens here, Jesus actually calls out to them and he doesn't say, guys, forget all about the way you've done fishing before. Get rid of those nets. We're going to learn a whole new way with a whole lot of new equipment. In fact, we're going to need to go on a three week seminar of training to teach you how to do the new thing in a new way. No, he actually says almost like carry on, do the same thing, but just do it with my direction. Um, I, th I think this is um, just being open to the fact that we may end up doing things that are similar. The difference will be that Jesus is directing us. Um, <clears throat> some of you know that uh, our oldest daughter, Rachel, lives in Japan, she and her husband, the family, and they lead a church in Japan. And they felt that God was speaking to them about a change. And that change was simply this, that they took their Sunday meeting and they moved it to Saturday. <laughs> now, uh, if you, if you now look at what they did. Now, why would they do that? They do that because having done that, it's opened up for them a whole load of new opportunities. 
And that's to do with Japanese culture and how the Japanese people see a weekend and so on and so on. Now, what they do on the Saturday is incredibly similar to what they did on the Sunday, but it's just like they threw their nets on the other side. And the difference is not so much that they decided we've got to do everything differently again now, simply it was, we are going to respond to the directing of Jesus. And I wonder if that's something for us today is to say, yeah, actually it may even look similar where we're coming up into, but the difference is that the how and the where comes from the direction of Jesus. Okay, third thing out of this story is that God's heart is always to lead us into fruitfulness. His way of actually showing that he's doing the directing, the evidence of that is fruitfulness. He always wants to lead us into fruitfulness. And I believe not just a little bit of fruitfulness. You know, the whole thing about this story is saying, why does it describe big fish and 153 and so on and so on? It's simply saying this was that a kind of abundant kind of catch. Great sort of sense of fruitfulness. You know, this we know <laughs> is what God is like. So we have confidence to say when Jesus speaks into us and he directs us, fruitfulness is where we're going with it. You know, um, when God led people out of Israel, he led them out of captivity through a wilderness and not just into a land, but a land flowing with milk and honey. And I believe that we can have faith for the future that when Jesus brings us and directs us, that actually it's always for fruitfulness. Not that I've got any kind of ideas about techniques or new ways or anything, but just simply that if we follow his directing, he'll lead us into fruitfulness. Why? Because I know what he is like. I know what God wants for us. Okay. So I just want to bring a couple of applications, if you like, into um, our lives. What can we learn for ourselves at this time? about us and i just want really two things here just as i kind of draw this together um the first is this our sensitivity these are these, this is one of our lessons to be learned at this time our sensitivity you see when i talked about our earliest of days i talked about being led by the spirit um I just wonder if these days, in recent years, we've become so good at planning, scheduling and dreaming and strategizing and so on, that whilst we would say, oh, yeah, we still want to listen to the spirit. I think what's happening today is that we need to be absolutely thrown onto the dependence on being led by the spirit and led by the voice of the Lord. Um, so just like in my dream, I think our senses need to be sharpened to listen and to hear what is the word that Jesus is bringing to us. You know, <laughs> one of the things I remember about those earliest days, well, we used to have a phrase called the word of the Lord. And if you haven't heard that, we haven't used it much recently, I don't think. But the word of the Lord simply meant God speaking directly into our situation. It might have come from scripture. It might have come from, um, from a prophecy or might have come from somebody's conversation. But you go, it, that's the word of the Lord for you. 
That's the word of the Lord for me. And it meant it actually landed in our hearts and it produced faith and life. And I want us to sort of perhaps just consider the today that we need to be afresh, an increased sense of sensitivity to listen out for the word of the Lord. And when the word of the Lord comes into your life, you're actually still left with a choice. You can ignore it or can float, go with it. And I believe this takes us into a sense of adventure, a sense of excitement, because we abandon ourselves unto God rather than our own plans. Some of you, well, probably don't know this yet, but Nestor and I are facing a huge uh, decision and shift in our life. And the only reason we can have confidence to do this is because we believe we've got the word of the Lord. <laughs> and that is that we believe it's time to move from Derby. We basically can't stand the statues anymore and we've got to get away from them. Uh, <laughs> no, we love Derby. We love it. I've lived in the area for 40 years and we've lived in the same house for 34 years. But actually, over this last few months or so, we felt our roots being loosened. And as we've been pondering, pondering, we just have felt clearly, clearly just in the last few weeks, the word of the Lord to us is to be moving away from Derby. We're going to move to Worcester. We're not going to move to Basingstoke. We did think about it. Um, we're going to move to Worcester. Worcester is a good bit closer to Basingstoke, though, just in, you know, so you might know that. Um, so we actually have, have, are, are in that situation right now. And we're going like, well, if listen, if this is the word of the Lord to us, we can have faith about everything to do with this move, including that it's going to bring us into a new season of fruitfulness. So it's, a, it's something I just want to encourage us in that our sensitivity, spiritual sensitivity, openness to hearing the voice of the Lord, because the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord to us, brings us faith and brings us life. And then the last thing I wanted to say, so our sensitivity, but also I want to say something about our heart. See, I think there's lessons still to be learned about our hearts. Jesus is ultimately really interested only in our hearts. If he gets our hearts, he gets everything. And um, I just wanted to note in this story, Peter's heart. There is something in this man which brings huge encouragement to so many of us. Because as we know, Peter actually gets things wrong again and again. And I find this the most encouraging thing you know, out there is that, that you can get things wrong again, again and again, but your heart can be right and so Jesus receives in that way so look at Peter here he is with the disciples he's not even the sharpest pencil in the box he's not the one who even discerns that's Jesus on the beach it's I think it's, it's we think it's John who does that and says that's that's Jesus but as soon as Peter sees it what does he do leaps out of the boat and runs towards him just bear this in mind Peter has just amazingly and dramatically um, betrayed and let down Jesus, you know. Um, he, he knows his, his failings. And for so many of us, that would keep us in the boat, probably the back of the crowd and staying kind of around. But there is something in Peter's heart that I think we want to take hold of today and go, never mind our failings, <laughs> never mind what we've got wrong. Um, 
if we have a heart that just wants to respond to Jesus, he's, his arms are open, he just welcomes us. Now, I want to say, look, this is before Peter has been properly restored. You know, he, he, just after this bit, he goes for his famous walk on the beach. You know, Jesus says to him, Peter, let's just go for a little walk. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. Um, I think everybody needs somebody who can take you for a, a little walk. I've had, uh, I've had a few of those in my time. Unfortunately, they've not been a walk on the beach. They've usually been a walk in a car park or something like that. Um, and it's like one of those where you feel the arm comes around you and you go, I'm going to have to face things. See, that's all going to happen in a few minutes. But before all that, Peter still, despite his failings, despite all that he knows he's got wrong, he just catapults his heart, runs towards uh, Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus is there to respond to him. I don't know about you. I think I know myself and a lot of people have felt uh, sometimes over this lockdown, you're starting to get weary and a bit dull and a bit kind of, am I falling back a little bit in my faith and the energy and the, the, the levels of, of enthusiasm and so on? I think so many people have. But I want to say that should not in any way deter us. When Jesus speaks to us, when Jesus comes and encounters us, he's looking for a heart that's going to go, never mind my failings, never mind actually all that I've kind of not done right. I just want to run towards him. And his interest is in our hearts. Yeah, I believe these are an amazing, exciting days. I do think we're going into a sense of adventure. But I do believe these are days that we need to be tuned in to listen and to respond, to hear the voice of the Lord. And respond to that it may not be dramatically different where we get to but if it's directed and led by jesus by his spirit then he'll lead us into times of fruitfulness bless you all can i just pray for us as we conclude today heavenly father we just thank you so much that you still speak to us today these are not days in which you are silent but I thank you that through your word, through the prophetic, through all kinds of ways, Lord, you are speaking to us. Thank you that you're taking us off on a new sense of adventure. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tune our ears to you, Lord. Open our hearts to you, Lord. Let us open our hearts to hear whatever it is you might be saying to us in this new season. And we pray, Lord, that you would lead us out, not somehow limping out, but Lord, you lead us into times of fruitfulness. And I pray that over Hope Church, Lord, that these may be coming days of, of uh, the nets being full, Lord, whatever that may mean, in all kinds of ways, and a sense of your fruitfulness in their lives. Pray your blessing on Hope Church in Jesus' name. Amen.